0: The title of my message today is um, Preppers. Preppers. Uh, The definition of a prepper is someone who believes in a catastrophic event or disaster is near. um, And makes active preparations for it. Typically by stockpiling food, ammunition, and other supplies. Um, This really became a household name In 2001 People have been prepping for years But this became a household name in 2001 After, does anybody remember the event? 9-11 is a good one Uh, It was actually uh, Y2K Y2K, yep And uh, for those of us who uh, weren't young enough to remember that That was back when um, our whole lives depended on computers And we still weren't sure how they worked And so... (laughs) They figured at 1999, at the turn of the century, we were going to get sent back to the Stone Age after that. I'm sure we all remember that. And I remember I was 12 years old, and I remember, you know, people's basements and the racks of food and everything. And uh, people were unsure of what was to come. So uh, nothing wrong with a little bit of healthy prepping, right? And uh, I remember being 12 I uh, was pretty ready I had a bag of Doritos and uh, Powerade and and my airsoft gun and I was I was pretty confident in uh, my chances after that and uh, that hasn't been the only event that sparked that kind of mentality uh, anymore and one of the things uh, is just recently in 2020 Once the pandemic uh, grew speed, um, we found ourselves in grocery stores and lines at grocery stores and people fighting for the last can of tomato soup as well as uh, toilet paper. And I'm not really sure that one. I guess that's just how afraid everybody was. But um, now prepping is a billion-dollar industry. And we see billionaires all over the world buying old missiles, missile silos and, and having these big yachts out in the water. And right down to your average Joe, you know, we are, we're kind of living now with, with something in mind that's, t- that's to come uh, as, as the world's showing signs of, of uh, a looming Armageddon at some point, possibly in our lifetime. I'm here to tell you today that we need to be preppers, but that from then until now, most of us have got it all wrong. And um, we're going to look at this tonight. Um, We're going to look at perfecting, prepping, perfecting, prepping. And uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start at verse one there. And as you turn there, I just want to let you know that our, our scripture um, today comes from our Lord Jesus. And um, these few chapters at the end of Matthew are called the Olivet Discord. And um, he's sitting with his disciples. And um, one thing led to another in conversation. And they said, Lord, you know, you've been saying a lot of things that are, haven't happened yet. And about you coming back after you, after you die. And Lord, what's going to take place? What are some signs? What are some things that are going to happen that you can tell us? That we can be prepared, that we can we can know the time is is soon. And in these chapters, Jesus went through some incredible things and, and amazing details. And um In this particular scripture, he's given us a parable, and let's read it through together here, starting in verse 1. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you, so you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. I love these kind of passages. I think um, it's so important to remember where we've been in our life, and it's important to remember where we're at in our life, but it's especially important to know where we're going. Where we're heading, and and scriptures like this touch on that, and it gives us an opportunity to really think about that, to really think about that. So, who are these bridesmaids? Well, uh, most translations refer to them as. Virgins, right? It's a, it's a picture of the church. It's a picture of Christians. And um, one interesting thing, the, the fact that there's 10 of them, is that in ancient Jewish times, you would need a group of 10 people to make a congregation, So it's really interesting that there's 10 of them, and the disciples are already getting hints that he's talking about people in the church now. He's not talking about the lost or the unbelievers. He's talking about the people who would say, yeah, I know Jesus, or yeah, I go to church. He's talking to us. Um, So the virgins, how do we know that he's referring to us? Well, we see in 2 Corinthians... Uh, chapter 11, verse 2. We'll have it up on the board. You don't need to turn there. Um, Paul, writing to the church in Corinthians, he says this. He says, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. Another translation says, as a pure virgin um, to, to Christ, right? And that is his heart for the church, that is god's heart for the church that we would be a people who have kept themselves apart from all the filth in the world and all the corruption that we would be a people willfully set apart um, to god that we would be like a, a a a pure virgin in god's sight okay a holy people and so that's an image of us these virgins is is us in the church here and um We learn also through scripture that, in fact, Christ is the bridegroom. Christ is the bridegroom. And we see in John chapter 3, verse 29, um, John speaking of, you know, when John was baptizing people, everybody said, Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And he said this incredible thing. He said, It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. John, an incredible um, human being, full of, of the word of God. You know, he, he said, Christ is the bridegroom. Christ is the bridegroom and we are the, are the bride. And, you know, um, this is a, a beautiful image of what's to take place. OK, what's to take place in the future? And the, what, what's happening is that we will unite with Christ. We are going to unite with Christ. It's not a romantic marriage or anything like that. It's a picture that two homes will become one. And we will be together forever. the end of Revelation, it talks about um, God will come down and he will live with his people. And they will be together always. It even says that there won't be a sun because the light from God will be their light. It's a beautiful picture of what's to come. Two homes becoming one. You know, in ancient Jewish tradition, the bridegroom would leave his house to claim his bride. And again, it's a beautiful picture of us here on this earth waiting, waiting. When is Christ going to come? When's he going to come? And in ancient Jewish times, um, the brides would in fact wait for the bridegrooms. You know, it was kind of switched. You know, the ladies were waiting for the men in those days. You know, what a time to be alive. And (laughs) they had time to to wait. And so we look at what some of these brides did while they were waiting. And um, what they would do in the meantime is that they would, they would sew. They would sew various garments. They would um, go through these purifying rituals, and they would be learning things. They would be learning things all in anticipation for the big day. And all those things that they did... Um, back in those days, it signifies beautiful things in the Bible for us, pictures of righteous and holy living. So while those brides were waiting on an unexpected time that the bridegroom was coming, they would be preparing themselves. They would be living righteously and holy, waiting to be reunited with the bridegroom. So, what were these virgins like? So, we have five and five. And if you um, were able to see the picture, that uh, our friend Melissa did a beautiful job on our on our visuals tonight. There's actually five lamps with oil and five lamps without. And so we have we have a contrast here between these two these two these groups here. And so, um, what what were they like? So, we had five wise and we had five foolish. In the Amplified it says that the wise they were far sighted, they were practical, and they were sensible. They knew God's word, they took it to heart and they acted on it. And they acted on it. They were wise with their time, they were wise with their actions, and they were sensible. And in contrast, we have uh, the five foolish virgins. And in the Amplified, it said that they were thoughtless, that they were careless. They were silly. They didn't take God's word to heart. They said, "Ah, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I like going to church. But they didn't act on the words. They weren't living a, a lifestyle where their heart was in it. They didn't act on their, their faith that they had heard. One writer questioned if there was any significance with the five wise and the five foolish, you know, there's half, you know. And he said, I wonder if that's a picture of our church today. If only five, 50% of the church is wise and 50% of the church is foolish. And what a sobering thought that would be that if Christ came back tonight, that only half of us would be wise and the other half would be foolish. Something to consider tonight. It was unknown um, when the bridegroom uh, would come. And so he could, have, he could come in the middle of the night. He could come at any time. And so these brides who were waiting for the bridegroom, they were instructed to put a lamp lit in their window at night. It was to show that they were ready. It's to show that they've been, they've been preparing themselves. It's to show that they've been expecting him to come. And to me, that was such a beautiful picture. You know, I wonder... If Christ walked by our homes tonight, if he would see our lamp burning in the window, the lamp of our heart burning in the window saying, I'm ready, Lord. I've been preparing my heart. I've been walking in your ways. I'm ready to see you face to face any day. I'm ready, Lord. The bride, the brides, the virgins, they would be they would uh, ensure that they had enough oil to make the journey. They would always ensure they had enough oil. And though all ten of them. It says in, in verse five. That they, they grew drowsy. And slept. Five had their hearts in this. Even though they all fell asleep. And they all slept. They, they still were prepared. They still had their hearts. They kept the chorus. And no matter how dark the night got. They were ready. They were ready to see their Lord. Face to face. We see in verse seven. About the oil, about the oil. The oil seems to be really one of the main things in this parable. And, and what's the significance of, of that oil? Well, oil is, is, is God in your life. It's, 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 it's a beautiful symbol of the Holy Spirit we see in scriptures so many times. It's, it's not only that, it's righteous living, it's obedience to God's word. And oil is a picture of anointing in the Bible. It's, it's a picture of, of being sanctified in Christ, of, of filling of Christ. It's making us more like Christ. And it readies us to see him. It gives us the spirit of life. gives us true joy and spiritual health gives us spiritual health. It's a beautiful thing, the oil that we're talking about here. We see that these wise ones, when it came down to it, and and they found themselves in this emergency situation, while the bridegroom is here, he's actually come, the five foolish became desperate. They said, hey, give us some of your oil. Give us some of your oil. We need it. He's here. And the wise said, we don't have enough. We only have enough for us. We only have enough for us. And, and they recognized that, A, that they weren't the source. They weren't the source. They, they, they only had enough for themselves. It was a very personal thing. You know, besides, how could you, how could you share and lend something like your testimony? How could you share and lend something that God has done in your life in such a personal way? How can you share that? You say, no, 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 I can't. I can't give you that. You need to go find him. You need to go to the source and you need to buy your own oil there. And we see finally that when they get there, after the the wise versions have been brought in and the, the foolish ones, there and the door was locked it said later when the other five bridesmaids returned they stood outside calling lord lord open for us but he called back he said believe me i don't know you i don't know you and i was i was reading this through in the amplified and it and it says we have no relationship we have no relationship you know, one of the biggest questions I think that goes around, I've heard it all my life is, is can a Christian lose their salvation? Can a Christian lose their salvation? And, and I think there's a lot to, to talk about there. But one thing is, can a, can a church goer lose their salvation? But I think the real question there is, was there any salvation? Was there any oil in our lamps? I think that's the main thing, because we know for sure that you cannot lose your salvation when you're in Christ Jesus. But but I think so often the confusing part is people can find themselves in church for their whole life and not have any oil in their lamps. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is what makes you a Christian. Not, hey, how you doing once a week? Good to see you. I'm out till next time. It's, uh, oh, my Lord and my God, I'm down on my knees. Have your way on my life. Have your way in my life type thing. That's where it begins, right? In verse 13, it says, so you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Since No one can know the day or the hour the Lord must come. We must constantly be in a state of alertness, of alertness. You know, when I was a kid and who can account here when your parents would go away for a day or for the weekend or for a week. You know, if you knew exactly when they were going to be home, you would have that place spick and span right down to the minute, you would clean the floors, you would get all the cream soda off the pool table. Sorry, mom. And you would have that place looking amazing, right? But if your parents said, hey, I'm going away, and I don't know when I'm going to be back, man, that place would be clean constantly, right? There'd be no funny business, because you wouldn't know when your parents are coming back. I'm going to do that with my kids. If my wife and I go, I'm going to say, hey, we're going to go. Don't know when I'll be back. Could be tomorrow. Could be in a week. And we'll see how they manage there, right? But it's, it's, it's that state of, you know, even all those virgins, they slept. They all fell asleep. Fell asleep, But at least half of them were wise enough to, to stay the course, to fervently wait for him, to live the life, to say, God, no, you are valuable to me. You are worthy to me, God. And, and I'm ready for you at any time. In the, in the days we're living, it's so key to be ready for him any time, any time. And, you know, of course, we know in the Bible that we, we don't know the exact time and date or hour that the Lord will come back. But I believe it, it does teach in Scripture that we can know the season, that we can know the season. And, and if we're not in the season now, then, man, we must be getting close. We must be getting close. It's the moral decay for me, and just the wickedness, the increase, and, and, and many other things. It's like, man, we, we must be getting close. We must be getting close. So keep watch. Be on your guard. Keep the torch lit. So that just inevitably brings us to stocking shelves. How do we buy oil? How do we buy it? Say we're foolish right now. Say we don't have any oil in our lamps. What can we do about that? How do we buy oil? How do we keep our lamps trimmed, burning bright until the end of the age? So, um, you know, undoubtedly the symbol of oil is the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus himself in our life right? Um, While well, there's much to say and, and learn in that regard, I believe the process is is quite simple to this. So uh, how do you buy anything? How do you buy anything? Well, you, you go to the store and you give your money for something, right? The little bit you have, you give it and you get it back. Okay. How do we get money? By giving our time. When I Work, when I go to work, they're paying me for my time, right? So, how we buy oil is with our time. It's with our time. We spend our time at the Lord's feet. We spend our time in His Word. We spend our time seeking Him through sermons and worship. It's with our time that we buy our oil. You know, you might be thinking, hey, Zach, that's easy for you to say. You get paid for that now. (laughs) And uh, I get it. But I'm 35, and I haven't been here too long. And I have three kids, and I've worked since I was 19, and I get it. It's hard. It's hard. But... And it's a fight. It's a fight. You know, I talk to a lot of men in our church and and it's just like one of the number one fights is like, man, it's hard to it's hard to get in the word. It's hard to get in the word. I'm so busy. I'm so busy and I get it. It's hard. And, uh, you know, I'm always reminded of the story of uh, Martha and Mary. And, um, you know, Jesus came there and, and they wanted to put on a big dinner and have a good time. And Martha, 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 she just wanted to, you know, her sister to help her make the meal. You know, there was so much to do. She said, you know, and then Mary was just sitting with Jesus. She wasn't doing any work. She was just sitting there listening to every word. He said, and like a good sister, Martha went up to Jesus and said, yo, what's the matter with her? You know, why isn't she helping me? Tell her, Lord, she's going to listen to you. Tell her to start doing some work. And and Jesus said, right from the Brady brunch, he said, Martha, 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 right? That's where it started. He said, he said, you know, you're, you're, you're so preoccupied with so many things. Yeah, there's lots to do, but Mary, Mary has got it right. Mary has chosen the right thing. So like in your face, Martha, right? She, she had chosen the right thing. And for us, man, we just live in a world system that causes us to be so busy. Right. We just and that's the thing. And so it's so important for us to recognize that and and be like Mary and say, you know, what? I know there's a million things to do. But my priority right now is Jesus and sitting at his feet because I know his words are life. And I know it's the most important thing that I can do with my time. If that means eating pizza pockets tonight, then that's what I'm going to do. You just got to fight for it. You got to make it happen. You have to you have to do what you can. You know, I heard the other day the stat is is shocking. So sit down uh, before you hear it. It's um, the average American by seventy eight, uh, if he lives to be seventy eight years old, will have sat in front of a TV for fifteen years of his life. Fifteen years of his life in front of the TV. We wonder why we have lukewarm churches. We wonder why we have lukewarm people and Christians. Fifteen years. Of watching TV. I was like that years ago. You know, I couldn't fall asleep without having the TV on. And one of the best things I ever did was kick that thing out the window. I actually didn't do that, but metaphorically speaking, I got rid of it. And it's funny. There's so many things that steal our time that we get nothing back for. We invest our time in so many things that is not oil and and we just get it back. And, And it's difficult because you think, you know, I've been working hard, and and I just need to, to relax. You know, last thing I want to do is read right now, right? That's just being real, right? But, you know, there's a place where you're going to cross over. And, and whatever you were getting from the thing you were spending your time in is not going to compare to the time that you spent at Jesus' feet. The time that you spent there because I came to a place in my life where I was like, Wow, I don't want to watch anything. I only want to read the bible like I need it and and nothing is even appealing to me anymore And and I just need it and and that's my hope and prayer for each one of us that we would get there we would cross over not that Man, I want to relax and put on a movie. It's man I want to relax and read through the book of proverbs or something. You know what I mean? Like that's where it's at. That's where we're going to get our oil from that's where we're going to really benefit from and um So one thing that I've coined to myself over the years of working and going through some stuff is is um, church every day. Church every day. I always said to myself, I'm having church every day and I would make sure that I would have church every day. I'm going to keep saying it until maybe it works. But um, what's that mean? What's that look like? And so for me, it was I was reading the word. I was hearing the word or I was singing the word. And I was making sure that I was doing that every day. And I think that's something each one of us can incorporate into our life. Church, every day. Could you imagine coming here every day? You know, that might be heaven or hell for some people. I don't know. but. But I'll tell you one thing. It was a beautiful thing for me. It didn't matter what I was doing for work, where I was driving, in the car, I'd be having church. I'd be listening to a sermon. I would be singing. I would be reading the Bible when I could. I was making sure I had church every day. Because here's the thing. I am the church. We are the church. This building is beautiful, and I love getting together. But we are the temple of God. He lives in us. He lives in us. And... I can't help but think. There's this uh, cool story. in the Old Testament. And uh, when those guys built the tabernacle out in the wilderness, one of the parts of the tabernacle was this uh, lamp. Um, And uh, it it was people's responsibility to make sure that lamp was always lit. Day and night, they would make sure it had enough oil to be lit. And um, by doing this, for me, it kept this lamp burning in my life. And there were some hard days. I'm pulling a mark up here hard right now. (laughs) There were some hard days. There were some hard days. And I would wake up. And those words of the songs and the things I had listened to were right away the first thing in my head. The first thing in my heart. And it was like that, that lamp kept burning all night. Even when I was sleeping, it was burning. And and I really feel like that's a special place that God wants us to be. To keep these lamps burning. To... to to be just feeding on him so much and being so full of oil that that lamp that is lit in our hearts is going to be burning day and night day and night so anyways i'm going to finish here with three reasons to keep your lamp trimmed okay we'll finish up three reasons to keep your lamp trimmed. so first and foremost to be ready to be ready to stand in front of the king. Whether we get raptured on the way home tonight or we don't make it home tonight, we are all going to stand before the creator of heaven and earth and give an account for the deeds done in the flesh. To give an account for what we've done with our lives. To give an account for what we've done with his word, right? It is are we ready? Are we ready? Do you know him? Do you know him? Not man I've been going to church my whole life. My parents went to church, my grandparents went to church. I'm this, I'm that. He says, "I assuredly say to you, I don't know you." So do we know him? Do we know him first and foremost? Number, t- number 2 is life. Keep your lamps trimmed for life because life happens. Life happens. In Matthew 7:24, the 27 says, Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. But anyone who listens to my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds their house on the sand. When it rains, when it rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash, right? And, and, and the, the idea here is when, not if, is when. When the storms of life come your way, what are you building your life on? What truths have you built your life on? Do you have oil in your lamp For when the storms of life come, is it going to get blown out? Are you going to be left shipwrecked? And I'll tell you what, I've seen it. I've experienced it and I've seen it in others. That when when life happens, if you don't have enough oil in your lamp, yeah, it's still hard. It's still hard. But man, we got to have oil in our lamp. We have to have oil in our lamp for life. For life things to come through. To get us through the storms, okay? And number three... Number three on reasons why to keep your lamp trimmed is is others, is people, okay? The Bible says, let your light shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, right? We're going through things, and we're going to go through more things, okay? I'm not saying, you know you know, a bunch of apocalyptic stuff, you know, may or might not happen in our lifetime, but we just go through things as people, right? We, we have hard times and, and, and who knows what's in front of us. We might see some, some more events happen. It's so important to keep your oil trimmed, your, excuse me, your lamp trimmed. Okay, Um, I remember when when the pandemic happened, and uh, I was at work, and we had a safety huddle. It was really really at the beginning when things were getting pretty hairy, and I had a couple guys look at me and say, "Man, what's going on? What's going on?" And I thought to myself, "Man, I better have something significant to say to these people asking me, right?" And you can be sure that when your lamp is full, people are going to notice. People are going to know when you have a full lamp, when it gets dark and you're the only one shining out there, they're going to come to you and say, how do I get what you have? Where do I go? And, and, and we know that, man, we can't provide that, but we can bring them to the source. We can point the way to the Lord and said, that's where you go. That's where you go. Man, we need some wise virgins in these days. We need pure people burning the lamp of God in their lives as the days get darker and darker as light shines brighter and brighter and may a lost world see our flames and and say where did you get that like i need that right um show us the way and would god help us that we would we would be prepared to show them let's pray Lord God, I just thank you for your goodness, God. You're so good, and you're so faithful, Lord. You loved us, God, while we were yet your enemies, the Bible said, God. God, I just pray that you would help us, Lord, fight through all the challenges of life, the busyness, the whatever obstacles that are in each of our lives, God, and they are there, God. That you would help us push through them, God, break through them, we know that we can't make it on our own, God. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you desperately in our lives to lead us, to guide us. Lord, you are the spirit of life. And, and we need that so much in our, in our decaying bodies, God. And uh, God, would you just be the light that shines in our life, Lord. And God, I just pray, God, that, that we would be a church that values being ready, God. That values knowing that you're going to come back at any time, God that we would be ready, Lord, and not only that, God, if you don't come in our lifetime, we're ready to pass the torch on to the next generation to keep it strong until you do come, Lord. God, thank you for just a worship today, God. We thank you that you are coming and that we will be reunited with you and that our two homes will become one, God. We thank you for your great love for people, where they're at, God, in their life, no matter what's gone on or where they're at right now, you know, God, and you love them so deeply. And I just pray for every heart that would be turned to you, Jesus, and that would know you in a personal way. And so that when we do see you, God, it will not be, I never knew you. It will be enter in to the joy of your Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.